Hi, friends, and welcome to All Things Relatable, a place where stories are shared. It's hard to put a value on a story because the lasting effects it can have are often priceless. An individual's story has the potential to impact our lives in tremendous ways. My hope for you in joining me today is that this episode resonates with you and that you leave enlightened, ignited, and inspired because it only takes one moment to spark a change and leave an everlasting effect. You know when you have that gut feeling that provides you with the answer? Sometimes it's a knowing to something that really excites you and fires you up. And sometimes it's a knowing that you don't really want. My next guest, Tommy, had that little feeling. She had the feeling that she couldn't get pregnant. So before her and her now husband got married, they booked an appointment with a family doctor, which then led them on quite the journey. Tommy is here to share her journey into motherhood and what those months and years ahead would look like. Hey girl, I'm so grateful to be sitting with you today and I appreciate your willingness to share such a special part of your life with us. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to share this journey. Um, The last few days I kind of sat down and wrote down some notes, went through the dates and wow, what a few years it's been. And I don't think I really sat down and talked about it with anybody. Well, I can't wait to dive right in and kind of go back to where it all started. So that's kind of where I want to start. Can you take us back? Uh, When did you get that feeling in your gut that knowing that your journey into motherhood was not going to be the easy one? I had that feeling even before Trevor and I met, to be honest, it was just something irking inside. Like, Hmm, I think this is going to be a challenge going back to my periods. Even they were just a roller coaster. So something felt off the whole time. Um, Trevor and I got together. Um, we started talking about kids right away, even before we were married, that's something we knew we wanted to do. Um, and then we had booked an appointment just you know, I just wanted to get a checkup and, uh, we spoke with the doctor and said, you know, we're, we're going to be getting married here in the next few months, but nothing has happened. Not that we were trying, but we weren't not trying. Um, so, you know, he said, come back in six months and we'll see where you're at. Don't put any pressure on yourselves. Just kind of go with it. And that's what we did. Um, but we went back, we got married in July. We went back in November and nothing was happening. So, you know, then he just started doing some routine blood work, um, some routine testing for myself and then for Trevor, and then referred us to our OB who ended up delivering Bryn. So that was cool. It was a full circle there. Um, But we went to see him and did some more further testing, went back to our family physician for results. And then he said, I'm going to refer you to the best of the best. He said, with your age, he said, I don't really see anything um, to give an answer, he said, so I'm going to send you to the clinic in Calgary. And that's what he did. Mm, So there was nothing that came back that was a regular in in the tests and the blood work that you were doing. No. Oh, so what we had, what we're diagnosed with is unexplainable infertility, which happens to quite a few families. So with that, you know, I'm kind of a person that I like an answer. I like to work towards something, you know, Um, I like to have a reason, but there was nothing. 
So it was a mystery. So it was like, which route do we try? Do we go a more aggressive route? Do we just, you know, try some medication and see if that works? So it was a few years of just trying different things. And so how old were you at the time where you, when you first had that appointment and the doctor said, well, at your age, like just kind of go with the flow. There's nothing really, is that, 25. is that what he said? Is that what I'm getting? Is that what? Yeah. So I was 25 and, you know, we weren't in a rush, but I think we had that feeling of being like, okay, like, you know, we'd like to start this journey. And uh, yeah, I knew I had some issues, some hiccups in the past. Um, we thought I had endometriosis just because my menstrual cycles were just so crazy. Um, so I did have a surgery for that, but that came back clean too. So it was kind of just a guessing game. So where did uh, the doctor start when you got referred to the best of the best? What were their, what was their advice for you? Um, so we had met with them. So to get into that clinic, um, you had to have certain testing done. So you needed lab work done. I needed a HSG test done, which basically put dye in my tubes. So, so painful, um, via a catheter and just to test or just to see if there's any cobwebs in your tubes or any blockages, anything. And that all came back clean. Um, Trevor had a sperm analysis done too. So when we went to the clinic, we, you know, we had a full workup done and they kind of knew what they were looking at before meeting with us, but we had to do a two day, sorry, one evening session. And then the next day we went to the clinic, went for more blood work and then met with the physician. So going to that meeting, it was just, it was so empowering, but it was like, it was intimidating too. We were sitting in an auditorium of 40 different couples listening to the best of the best physicians in fertility in Calgary talking about, okay, these are the options and IVF, you know, we spoke about IVF, but we were like, well, are we going to have to do that? We were so unsure. So there were so many emotions because we just felt like we were at the beginning of our journey when we got there, but really we were so far into the journey, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. How did you end up in a room with 40 other couples? So that is how they do it. Um, every month they do a seminar, basically talking about fertility treatments, what their clinic offers, um, because they do say there's no wait list. So everybody does have to be referred that, that we're there. Um, but yeah, we were all just kind of seeing what our options were. And that's the best way to basically say, this is what our clinic offers. This is what we can do. If you're interested, you know, Um, so it was really eye opening to see how many other couples were in the same shoes as us. Mm -hmm. So when you were at that clinic, was there anything else that they offered or was it specifically IVF that they specialized in or, and that was their main treatment? No, that's not their main treatment. Definitely is, you know, I wouldn't say the last line of treatment, but it's up there for sure. Um, so we were offered the first session. She said, you know, looking at your age, that it's unexplainable. She said, why don't you try Clomid? So Clomid was a, um, a drug basically to help produce more follicles for myself, some more eggs. Um, but Trevor works away. So for that to work, they want you to do three cycles in a row. Well, that doesn't always work for us. So we tried it and there was nothing. So, you know, after that you felt defeated again, but you have to take into account this clinic was eight hours away. We're living in Northern Alberta. Um, so to go back and forth to this clinic, well, it was tough. And I decided, you know, I wanted a career change. So in between all of this, 
I decided to quit my job and go back to school. So we were throwing that in the mix of like, okay, do we want children right now? Do we want to go ahead with this? Not only was it, you know, emotional time, it was physical and it was financial, like, you know, going back to school, finding the time to fit in fertility in school. It was just kind of prioritizing. But then also you questioned, okay, I'm struggling to have children. Is this a sign? Is, is this what we want? So we also had those conversations like, do we want kids? You know, it, it, and how long do we try? Mm -hmm. So, you know, year after year, I think it was two years we were at that clinic that it was like, okay, if this doesn't work, what is our next step? When are we going to say, Hey, I'm tapping out and we're happy to do just what we're doing now. Just the two of us. Right. Can you describe like, what were some of the conversations that you had? How, what did it look like talking with your partner? Were you married at this point now? So married. Yeah. Um, there was lots of conversations. Um, there were lots of conversations I think happening in our head as individuals, as well as together. Um, I know I did a lot of work on myself. I decided to go to counseling and I decided, you know what, I want to dig up some old triggers from my childhood and work on me to become the best person to be able to handle this, whatever that journey was going to be, whether it was children or whether it was no children. Um, I think I took it a little harder than Trevor as much as it was unexplainable. I still felt like, you know, my body is the home to bear children. It felt like it was on me. So I remember we were driving to BC for a wedding and a beautiful couple, our friends were getting married. And I said, Oh, that they'll be pregnant in a month or two. And Trev said, that's okay. That's not our journey. And that there was very like eye-opening, like, yeah, you're exactly right. Like it's going to happen when it should happen for us, no matter how it will happen. So mm-hmm. I think there came a time where I had to just let it go and just welcome whatever was coming my way with open arms and just go with it, which is very hard for me. I'm a type A personality. I like things to be planned. So to let it go was difficult, but I think it was the best thing to do. Yeah. That's gotta be so hard to, um, watch other people or, or, or just like the dreams for other people or kind of watch what's happening with others without an explanation or without an answer. Maybe if there was an answer and you knew or had a timeline or had some different steps, then maybe it would have changed you know, the outlook or, or how the, the journey carried forward, but just that unknown, how did you sit in, in, in the unknown? Like what were the thoughts going through your mind when you didn't have an answer? How did you keep moving forward? There was a lot of darkness. Um, Trevor and I grew as a couple, but we also grew individually. I felt like I kind of sprung ahead and I worked on myself a lot. It was tough. You know, we questioned so much, questioned each other. It was not easy. And um, I think that's so important to look at and recognize, like, it's not easy, but we got through it and we learned so, so much. Like we learned, I learned, I guess, to sit in the uncomfortable room, in the uncomfortable situations and learn to get comfortable. I remember sitting in that room, looking at all these couples who each had a story 
And our story mattered just because their story might've been different. Doesn't mean that their story was any more than ours or any less than ours. So you really learn to kind of dive in and focus on what you want and focus on the important things, the simple things. And I think trying to enjoy that journey as you do it. I remember calling my period in every month to the clinic. That was a part of the steps. And as much as you didn't want to have your period, okay, well, it's one step closer to call it in to get new dates or, you know, okay, got to go get blood work again. It wasn't enjoyable, but it was part of the journey to get to where we wanted to go. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Enjoying your journey because it's a tough one. Do you think you said that you and Trevor had a conversation about, um, like it brought up, do you even want kids? Is this for us? Because you were faced with, you know, the, the unknown and you didn't have results. Do you think that would have even been a conversation if it just naturally came easy? Would you even consider those things? I don't know. And I've been thinking about that a lot lately. Um, I think through our journey of having children for everybody, it changes who we are, what we do. If I would have had a child right away coming out of our marriage, I wouldn't be who I am today. I wouldn't have dug deep and worked on the childhood trauma that I have or became vegan or, you know, looked at the things and focused on the things that really matter to me today as a person or use my voice for different things that I believe in. I wouldn't have done that. And yes, if I would have had children three or four years ago, I'm sure it would have worked out just as beautifully, but I feel so solid in the human that I am today that I would do that journey over and over and over again. Oh, I love that. Like gives me chills. So yeah, in, in this journey of into motherhood, it also um, was a journey inward for yourself and where you did some self-development and growth and, and dig back mm-hmm. into those traumas and into your past. Um, yeah. You said a few things came out of it. You ended up going vegan. What sparked that decision for you? I really helped out with the animal rescue here in Grand Prairie. And I took in a dog that was abused and I just was just so heartbroken over it and just thought like, okay, if we are so against animal abuse against dogs and cats, nobody's doing anything about chickens, cows, pigs. And that's where I really dug deep. And I've always been an animal lover. My mom will tell you, we went to babe in the movie theater when I was so young and we left, I was crying. I couldn't watch it. So I've always had that feeling towards animals. I've always had pets and I just wanted to do more. I wanted to connect with them more. And it was just kind of one of those wake up calls when you wake up and it's just like, oh, okay. Yeah. I see the big picture now. So doing that work too, and moving into it. um, There's a lot of hard videos. There's a lot of hard truths out there, but I think the more we kind of sit with it, feel it, we can grow with it and it can change us. Yeah, it it really did. Like it opened my eyes to so many different things and it was challenging for Trevor and I too. You know, I was changing and researching and looking up different things and 
there were days where I questioned the world so much and our choices and really focused on the bigger, the broad, broader problems, I guess, of our world, if that makes sense, opposed to, you know, the little things in our world. So yeah, going out and doing that, it was, it was more work, but uh, it came back to compassion. And I believe compassion starts at home and it can start in our kitchen too. So it was like a full circle for that as well. Mm, That's so inspiring. I love that. Yeah. Your journey kind of led you there. It led us in so many different ways. So what are some of the biggest changes, I guess, within yourself and then as a couple that this journey has kind of guided you into? Um, Trevor's really good at letting it go. It is what it is. Let's not focus too much energy on it. Um, he really grounds me in that way of, okay, we're going to get through this. You know, with IVF, it was blood work and ultrasound every day or every other day, depending which part of the stage we were at. And it was just like, okay, once we're done that, we move forward. And he, he's really good at that. And as a couple, we learned to communicate so much better and, you know, focus on how can I help you today? What's, what's going to make this easier for you? What's going to make this easier for us? And he was just such a great support. And through the hardships, it brought a lot of hardships, a lot of late night talks, some days not speaking because we were just trying to navigate this in our own way. But as a couple, I don't think anybody ever gives you a manual how to, how to get through it. And it was, it was tough. You question a lot, but I think if you can get through those dark times, the light is just forever going to shine. Okay. So let's go back to your journey here with IVF. You went to the conference you were with 40 other couples. You got the information. Now, what did you and Trevor decide to do going forward with that information that you got? So that was the summer of 2016, I believe. So then we did um, Clomid. We tried that, which was that medication for three months. Didn't see anything. So we just kind of sat with it and said, you know, well, maybe it will happen. I decided to go back to school. So my priority was with school. Um, Then we had to go back to the clinic because you kind of need to check in every year just to see where you're at. Um, you know, if anything's changed, more testing, more blood work. So 2016, we went back or 2017, sorry, we met with the doctor again. And uh, she said, okay, this didn't work. There's, there's other options, which is IUI, which is like an art, not an artificial insemination, but it's basically where they just use a baster. They, they know when you're ovulating, you use a variety of medications And they just um, use a catheter to insert semen, basically. So for that to work, they wanted to do three cycles of that as well. Well, we live in Grand Prairie. That wasn't going to work to move to Calgary for three months to try that. Granted, it might have worked the first cycle, but we didn't know that signing up for that. And that's when Trevor just said, we want our best option. We've been trying for years. And she said, IVF. Right. Okay. I just want to pause you for just a second there because, um, 
Calgary is like eight hours from Grand Prairie and they have the best clinic and they offer these services. So um, when you go down for each treatment and to check in, is any of it covered or what are the expenses? What's the cost of that? So depending on your insurance, I guess we were, we were privileged. I wrote the word privileged today because we were, we had support of so many people financially. We were in a place where we could afford to do it. Um, we had friends, we had family willing to help out with places to stay. And we were privileged in the sense of if we needed emotional support, we, we could have it. So it was so doable for us, but I know it's not doable for lots, which is so heartbreaking. I wish there was more resources, more funding, more coverage, um, back to accommodations and stuff. No, we stayed with friends. Um, Trevor's parents pulled their trailer when we actually did IVF, but when we would go down for appointments, his parents lived nearby, which really helped. So the few times that we did go for appointments, it was just a day or two. So that wasn't anything too crazy. Um, but for the actual cycle itself, I was in Calgary for over three weeks. Wow. Okay. When you say cycle, what is that referring to for people who don't know? Kind of so that was on. for the whole IVF cycle from me going down, starting um, medication injections. I was injecting myself with hormones every day. And then I would go in for blood work and ultrasound into the clinic every other day, usually just to check the size of the follicles. And I overstimulated, I ended up having 21 eggs. Yeah. Wow. I was very swollen. I looked about four months pregnant. None of my clothes was fitting. Um, And then we did the retrieval. So the retrieval is where they take the eggs back out and then they will fertilize them. So from that point, we went to Calgary on the 12th, we headed that way and we were just waiting for my period to come. So I think that happened around the 13th, 14th. And then the 15th, we went to the clinic, picked up our medication, everything that way did some blood work. And then the 18th, I started everything. Trevor came back to Grand Prairie. So I was in Calgary with his parents alone, kind of just struggling. Like I said, nobody gives you a manual. So it was just day in, day out. And from the 18th, which was my first injection, um, August 2nd, we were pregnant until proven otherwise is what they call it. Okay. So when you went down, you got everything all done kind of at once. So we didn't decide this cycle was going to happen until June. Um, When we went to the clinic the summer prior, she had talked to us and we agreed to do IVF. And the doctor said, look, we are starting a trial within the clinic for a new drug that we want to try. Would you be willing? And we said 100% because it was FDA approved. It was, it was safe. It was tested in other um, Canadian clinics to be great. So we said, sure. So we actually ended up getting that for free, which saved us about $6,000, which was amazing. We were so thankful for that. So June, when I had called in my period, um, we were 
down adventuring on a biking trip. I remember that. And I called it in and she said, these are the available dates. And she said, um, if these dates don't work, you would have to come back and basically start over, do another consult because it was two years at that time. And I just remember, I said, okay, I'm going to call my husband. And, uh, I remember he was just fishing with a friend and, uh, we were in this mountain town and I said, Hey, they have some dates that would work for us. If we don't take these dates, we start over, we lose the trial for the medication. He said, let's do it. So literally from that time, it was like three and a half weeks to being in Calgary. So our life was like a whirlwind at that time. What was happening? You were back in school at this time, right? I just graduated. Okay. I just accepted a new job in a rural community to work. And I'd worked there for a few months prior. So I knew that if I had to take a month off, that was more than okay. They were willing to work with that. So, um, called the clinic back, said, yes, we called Trevor's parents saying like, Hey, you know, can you pull the trailer here? Can we make this work for three weeks? And they were more than willing. They were so great. Um, so yeah, then we, we started getting really excited, but there were so many unknowns. It was like, okay, like we're doing this, but we have no idea what we're doing. Holy shit. Like it just got real. That is it just got so <laughs> real. And you know, you've been waiting and waiting and waiting. We were waiting for this day for two years, but when it actually happened, it was just like, oh, wow, it's happening. Crazy. So, okay. So then you potentially were pregnant in August. Yes. So August 2nd is when at 12 o'clock, We went for lunch to Earl's. I remember this in Calgary downtown. And uh, there's something to be said, knowing the moment, the exact minute that you're going to get pregnant. It's just like you, there's so many questions. You're so excited, but you're so scared. Like, is this going to work? You're just putting everything on the table. I remember feeling so anxious at lunch, but so excited. Did you let yourself, um, yeah, get, you got excited about it. You let yourself go there, even though you didn't know if this was going to work, like you let yourself soak it in. I did because I knew if I didn't, I would regret that. I needed to, I needed to enjoy it as it came and just take it one, one month at a time. So we ended up going and, uh, at 12 o'clock and they give you a picture, they show you your embryo at this time. You don't know if it's a boy, it's a girl, nothing. It's just, this is your little embryo on the screen and you get to watch it get inserted. It's just, it was an amazing experience. It only took about 15 minutes. And, uh, then they said, okay, we'll talk to you in a few weeks. And we just took off that day. And, um, we did a lot of walking and just hope for the best. So what was it? Yeah. Did you feel a shift inside? Like after getting the procedure done, did you feel different or like a knowing or just, I didn't and I feel like self-aware, but, and I was waiting for that, but I didn't like, no, we drove home the next day. I ended up buying a new vehicle. (laughs) Um, we drove back to Grand Prairie the next day on cloud nine, but I still wasn't sure. So they, the clinic had said I had to go for blood work 
I think it was 10 days, seven to 10 days later. And you can test HGB, I believe it's the hormone for pregnancy and it should be tripling, doubling, tripling as the days go. So that's what they're testing for in the blood work. So to do a pregnancy test, it's similar. They test that. And, um, I took a test. I did not want to wait any longer and it was positive. It's the first positive pregnancy test I ever had. So it was such a surreal feeling, but then I got questioning is this real or is this just the hormones circulating in my body still? Mm. But it was real. And then um, after the blood work was confirmed, the clinic called me congratulating us, sent us a letter. Our family doctor called us personally congratulating us. It was just so heartwarming. So once he called, he said, well, I, I guess you better come back in. So went back there and got scheduled for really early ultrasound just to make sure everything was okay. Right. So is this pretty rare to get um, pregnant on the first cycle or is this something that is kind of common? I think it's patient specific. Everybody's just so different depending on what they're there for. My age really helped. I remember we, I had 21 eggs every day. They would call once they got fertilized. And they would say, okay, so many, this is how many embryos you have now. And then I think we ended up having eight embryos by day five. Um, So they did a, they can do a fresh transfer, which is what we do. And they do a day three transfer, day five transfer. And they would really like your embryos to get to day five, just because then your embryos are doing the normal cycle of like, um, it's almost like what they would do inside your body is, you know, they replicate so many cells and they should be doing that so many times. So they want to see that outside before they put that in. So the longer they can stretch that out, the better. So that's what we did. We did the five day transfer and they only said one for me due to my age, but also due to twins. There's so much of a higher risk going into this. I was like twins, twins, twins. But then when you see the risk that is associated with it, you're like, no, one is great. And that still could have split after. Okay. While you were going through this, I have a couple of questions. Did you share your journey with the people around you? Or is this something that you kind of kept private with your family and your husband? So we shared with everybody. Um, Leading up to it, going to the clinic, I think most of our family friends did know. Um, when we did sign up for the cycle, it was pretty intimate, just close friends, family. Um, yeah, even the day of when we were getting the transfer done, I think just a few of our friends and family. And then we waited a few weeks before we ended up telling more and more people. We just wanted to soak that in and yeah, you know, eight, eight weeks in 12 weeks in, I was feeling this is real. And I'm going to make it feel real, regardless of the outcome. If something was to happen, I want it to, I want it to celebrate how far we did get at that time. Oh, that's so lovely. I love that. Yes. Um, did you feel any pressure from friends or family or anybody around you? Like with, uh, going through that, was there anything that you were, mm. I don't know. No, I really didn't. I had such, we had amazing support throughout through friends and family. 
everybody was just so excited for us from our doctors to our friends, family. So I don't, it couldn't have worked out any better. Um, and how did you, did you have a celebration when you actually like beat on the stick and found out you were pregnant and got so the blood work? Trevor was at work, of course. And <laughs> I thought of, I think he was going to be home two days later. Um, but in our minds, we knew we were pregnant. We were okay. We, you know, we were celebrating as it was just going to be a healthy pregnancy. So I ended up telling him and he was just so emotionally excited. You could just tell in his voice, like this was it. So yeah, we shared with our close friends and family that day. And yeah, it was a celebration. I think everybody celebrated in their own little way. Mm, yeah, I love that. So how did the pregnancy progress? So for the first 12 weeks, I still had to take progesterone. Um, so I took that for 12 weeks. Other than that, I felt fantastic. I was working a lot, um, 12 hour shifts. It was really doable at that time. Um, you know, we were working out still biking, hiking, whenever we could, I really wanted to have a fit pregnancy and I was nervous in the beginning of being sick, but the way I looked at it, I was okay. If I was going to be sick, I waited this long to be sick or be pregnant, but it didn't come. I felt really good other than some food aversions. Um, at 20 weeks, I had an ultrasound. I had a lot of ultrasounds with IVF. Um, you have a few more. So I think I had a total of six, but I was diagnosed with placenta previa. So full previa where my placenta was blocking my cervix. So I was unable to deliver at that time was told I'd be unable to deliver, um, vaginally it would have to be a cesarean and possibly bed rest after 30 to 36 weeks, depending. And, uh, I was a little scared. I, I learned about this in school and I just said to the doctor, like, can you walk me through this a little more? Like, I'm just, I went to this appointment alone. Trevor was working again. And he said, you know, if you start bleeding, you go to the hospital right away. So I was pretty fearful because I was still working and, you know, my job is quite demanding lifting yeah. patients. Um, so I ended up talking with another physician, just saying, you know, what do you think? Should I take some time off work? But, uh, we decided, you know, I would take it easy. All my coworkers were aware and I continued to work. I wasn't able to work out anymore. Um, so we did lots of walking and stuff. So after that had many more ultrasounds and then the placenta previa moved, but it needs to be two centimeters away to deliver vaginally. And mine didn't move that far. So, we ended up having a cesarean. Mm. So you said like you went to school and you went into nursing. So you are, you kind of have that background knowledge. Yeah. Um, so what was it like having that knowledge and then going through your journey and, and kind of knowing, I, I don't even know if it would be the ins and outs or like the details where some people, maybe it's a better thing to, be oblivious or, or not know as much information, it might be easier to kind of, you know, cruise the journey. But when you have that background, did that play into the journey at all? Uh, 
I really liked being aware. Um, to be honest, I think I'd work three days, have a few days off. So when I would come back to work, I would listen to the heartbeat a lot at work. I could, right? And there, there was no harm done by that. I even told actually our OB, it was pretty early on. And usually you don't hear for 12 to 13 weeks. He's like, I'm going to try and listen for a heartbeat. And I said, oh, don't worry. I already did that last week. <laughs> He's like, okay. So, and I said, yeah, she was about 160 beats and, and he still listened, but we, we kind of laughed. So I was always kind of checking in. I was more aware of like certain movements or if I was ever feeling any discomforts for sure, but I just had to let it go and just trust myself, trust my body that it's, it's doing what it needs to right now. I think I've heard you say that a couple times and I love it. Like just letting go. Yeah. Cause when you let go, that is when you allow the magic of the universe to come in and do what it's going to do. Once you release that control and just let go. And I love that you enjoyed the moments along the way, because going through IVF can be scary. Um, through the whole pregnancy, because mm-hmm. you don't know the outcome. You so, don't know. Yeah, when did you finish off at work? So I finished a little earlier, actually. Um, diagnosed with placenta previa, then it, it was low lying. Um, I was still having to be cautious. And we had sold our home. And we were in the process of moving and buying another one. And then all of a sudden, I just hit this really dark, I call it a chapter. It was a few weeks of just pure darkness. Trevor was away working, I think, up to 20 days at that time. I was working nights. And I had quite a a drive to work every day. It was about an hour each way. And I was doing, I think I was on two weeks of nights. So my sleep just was not the greatest. I was having lots of insomnia. And I remember being at work. And when I'm at work, I just leave whatever at the door. I love my job. And I just remember crying, which was just, I cry. I'm self-aware. But there, there was a time and place. And work would never be one of those places for me. And I talked to another nurse who I was pretty close with. And I just said, I don't know what's going on but I don't feel like I'm in a healthy headspace to be at work. So I ended up leaving my shift, I think an hour prior that morning. And the next day I woke up and didn't feel rested. I was just so anxious on edge and it was scary. I've been in some dark spaces before briefly, but this was like nothing I've ever felt. So I I let Trevor know how I was feeling, my mom, some close friends, just to see, you know, is this how anybody else has felt being pregnant? The excitement was just not there. It was just like a 180. I was not excited. I was scared. I was questioning so much. And I just didn't know how to get to the next hour of my day. Mm. So I had booked a doctor's appointment. And we had a really good open discussion and he just made me feel better. You know, he said, you have a surge of hormones. You have a lot going on right now. 
Um, so he said, I can write you off work. And at that time I wasn't willing, I was not ready yet. I wanted to do the 36 week mark and looking back, like, come on, Tommy, you know, your health comes first. And, uh, he wrote me a prescription for some sleeping pills. He said, you need to get your sleep back on track. He said, try to get back onto days. So after a few days of feeling how I was feeling, I said, I said to her, I think I do need to finish up work. And that's what, that's what I did. You know, having a high risk pregnancy, the move going through IVF. I don't think I ever reflected on it because it was just go, go, go. It was IVF to a new job, to a new move that it just kind of came crashing down and it was scary. I remember like, I wanted to run for the hills. I didn't, didn't feel worthy of love for myself, for anybody else at the time. It was just, I, there was no joy. So that was very difficult for me because that was just not who I was. So it was very, it was an unknown period of my pregnancy. I was, I was really scared, but you know, as the weeks came and I worked on me, um, just trying to live it. I was just trying to be comfortable with it, I guess. And light came, the excitement came back, the nursery was ready. And thankfully I haven't been back to that headspace since she's been born. She's a year old now, but it happens to moms. And I think we really need to be open about that. The darkness. Yes, there's so much light, but there's darkness too. And I think the more we talk about it and the more we accept it and not feel ashamed of it, the more we can sit with it and be proud that that's part of our journey, I guess. Mm-hmm. That's so powerful. I think that's just hit the nail on the head that, yeah, there is so much joy and so much light, but there are periods of darkness and it's not all sunshine and rainbows. And when you go through those uh, chapters, as you say, um, knowing that, you know, other people are, have been through the same, have Mm -hmm. found the light again, have found the joy and that, yeah, it's terrible to be in it and sit in it, but the light will come again. So what are some of the things that you did to kind of, I don't even know if I want to use the word survive, but to kind of get past that point and find the joy again, how did you uh, get through every day? So I wasn't sleeping because I think just the nights and days and nights and days and they, you know, just being pregnant, you're quite large at that time and trying to rest is tough. So getting my sleep back on track really helps. Um, my sister came and stayed with me, um, before Trevor came home, he let work know I need to go home right now. And I was so thankful for his support. And, you know, there were times when my sister would come out and we would turn on a movie and I would cry or I would just sit and not talk. And she was, she was just there. And I think the greatest thing, you know, I have had a few great friends that would check in every day or every hour is they didn't try to understand it. 
they didn't say, I've been there. I get it. They were, what do you need? Or I'm here. I'm on the other end of the phone, just listening. And sometimes that's what you need. You don't need a quick fix. You don't need an answer. You just need that support and love. And I believe we have the tools inside to get through any journey if we have the love and support of others and ourselves. Mm, so true. Yeah. Thank goodness because, you have that. You know, I really, I totally leaned on my village. So I was trying to exercise and read or write, and nothing was working, nothing was settling my brain at that time. So looking back, it was just sitting in it with the people I loved. Mm. You know what? I think that is such a powerful thing as well that, yeah, maybe there isn't a quick fix or there isn't necessarily a strategy or something that's going to be the thing that gets you back that, yeah, maybe just sitting in it uh, with surrounded by people who love and support you and you know that, um, you can reach out to and they, they have your back is just that mm-hmm. I, I think is such a great, um, bring such great awareness for other people too, on what can they do for someone who's in the darkness that, you know, maybe they don't want, people don't want to be fixed or get a quick fix that they just want to know that you are there. Yeah. Most definitely. I think that was such a, the silver lining of it is I found that's how I could support somebody else or moving forward. That's how I want to handle anything that comes my way. I just want to sit in it and work through it. So how long were you in that before you saw the light again? And then can you continue the journey on? Where did that lead? So I want to say that lasted what felt like months was probably closer to a month. I'm thinking, um, you know, then we moved homes. I was still very on edge. Then the pandemic hit, but you know, I remember even posting a picture on my Instagram and saying how happy I was to see March month because February was absolutely heartbreaking for me. It just was so hard. Um, So I was looking forward to a new month because originally we were told Bryn was going to be born possibly the end of March, depending on my previa. So it was okay. It's time, you know, to move forward and work on bringing this baby into this world one way or another. So we moved homes, got everything set up, the pandemic hit, and uh, my doctor decided to keep her in until 39 weeks, actually, just because she was, she was measuring pretty small. She ended up being six pounds. Um, And she was born April 13th via cesarean. And that was just the best day ever. There's no other words for it. Our OB he was just great. Originally the week prior for my last checkup, I looked at everything as such a milestone. We got to 39 weeks or sorry, when we got to 38 weeks in his office, I was so emotional. Like this is the last time I'm coming here. 
And um, at that time with everything going on in the world, they changed surgery schedules. So he wasn't going to deliver Bryn. So that was another hiccup. Um, it was a doctor from Calgary that we had never met. So going in that morning and I said, maybe he'll just show up. And he did. He came into the room and said, I had to come in. I asked to come in to deliver your baby because you've been my patient for almost 10 years. And I just broke down and it was like the most heartful thing anybody has done being a part of our journey. And he was just so personable and it just put all my anxiousness at ease that he's here. We're going to do this today. So we ended up getting pushed. Another mama came in and needed to deliver. So we ended up um, delivering just afternoon and with everything, I wasn't able to take her to recovery for skin to skin, which looking back now, I was, I'm pretty upset over it. Um, because those are, those are your moments as a new mama, but I ended up hemorrhaging really, really bad in recovery. So I wasn't, I wouldn't have been able to have her there anyways. Mm. Well, it was a few hours before I got back to the room, but it was so well worth it looking back. Oh, that's so incredible. So heartwarming yet the doctor coming in on a scheduled day off for you, showing up for you and your family welcoming your baby girl. It was amazing. It was the greatest way to start that day with somebody that you knew and helped you get here. You know, when he said, I'm sending you to the best, the best, and we're going to get you a baby. He got us the baby. He Mm -hmm. helped. So when you first laid eyes on your little girl, can you describe what was that like after years on this journey? So being a cesarean, um, the curtain was there. I could feel all the movements. I was so overwhelmed being in that room, like just waiting, anticipating. Um, and I remember I looked at Trev and I said, I don't hear her. He's like, I don't either. And I knew they were already in there. And with my medical field, I, I knew like the steps. So they were already in there. And he was like, oh, there's that placenta of yours that's giving you heck. So <laughs> I knew he was there. And um, I said, I still don't hear her. And then all of a sudden, she just let out the biggest cry. And it was like, she's here. And uh, I remember the first thing I asked, does she have hair? And he said, she has so much hair. She's gorgeous. And uh, six pounds. We weren't expecting that. I thought for sure. Seven, eight, you know, we were all taking bets the night prior and she was just so tiny and just so full of life. Mm. Yeah. There were, been- there's no words. Like we look back on the pictures and you you just fill up about it because it's just nobody prepared me for motherhood. It's been the best of the best. It's the best chapter yet. And it's not even wrote. Mm-hmm. So your little girl just turned a year recently. Yes. Um, okay. Well, I think I'm going to go into some of our final questions. I want to start with this one. Uh, Can you finish this sentence? Motherhood is. 
motherhood is surreal. It's just, yeah, there are no words for everybody. Everyone has their own journey, their own way about it. But for me, it's just, it's unspeakable. I love it. Mm, I love that. And I love, I've seen you, um, around your little girl and your, the way that you, uh, parent and the way that you mom. And I just think you are such an incredible mother. And that little girl is so lucky to have you. I so appreciate that. Um, my next question, what are the three most important lessons that came from your journey into motherhood that you're going to take with you? Um, trusting yourself, loving yourself. Those are huge. And that's two things I want Bryn to, to know is trust yourself, love yourself. The third one, just go with it. Go with the journey. Enjoy it. Like whatever comes of it. I think we're resilient as humans and we will make whatever happens. We'll make it beautiful. Oh, I love your mindset. That's just incredible. Um, what have been some of the best parts and some of the most challenging parts of motherhood so far? Breastfeeding. Um, I absolutely love it, but it was a challenge. And I think that's where I told you some people just want support, not quick fixes. And that's where I learned that, um, it was challenging. She had a lip and a tongue tie. Um, so it was a hard first month, but we worked through it and the connection, the bond we have is great. Mm, I love that. Yeah. Okay. So my last question is, what would you tell someone who's listening to this today and has that same gut feeling and knowing that you had many years ago or someone who's looking into or in the middle of IVF? My biggest piece of advice, and I always came back to it for myself. We all have a story. We're all going to look at things different through a different lens, a different perception, just because what I did worked for me may not work for somebody else, but to follow your own gut, your own heart, just because somebody doesn't agree with it or somebody thinks you should try something different. Doesn't mean you should always get a second opinion and always feel what's best and do what's best for yourself, regardless of who's telling you otherwise. Mm, what a great way to end. I think that is like one of life's most important lessons that you just said there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're living this journey of your own. So for listen sure. to yourself and follow your own heart and whatever speaks to you, follow that road. Yes. I think that's the most important thing we can do. Wow. Just love that. Well, thank you so much for thank sharing you. your journey into motherhood. Oh, I'm so excited. I got to share. It was great to go back down that road and relive some things. And I think looking back, you're so much more grateful for your journey when you really focus in on how you got here.
Mm -hmm. What a journey it's been. And I'm so happy that you have such a beautiful little girl in your life. And Bryn has made you a mother. Thank you for joining me on today's episode of All Things Relatable. If you know someone that would relate to this episode and get value from it, please pass it along. Also, if this episode resonated with you, I would love for you to rate, review, and subscribe.